Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to State of the Empire, the Star Wars speculation podcast where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. In this episode, we're talking all about Solo. The new film is finally out, and yes, this episode is going to be predominantly spoilerific. However, however, there are some news items that we simply must discuss off the top right here and now. We're going to have a very small spoiler-free section, and then after that, we're going to open our spoiler-proof blast doors wide and talk freely about the film. Now, in our prior episode, we did have some solo content behind the blast doors. Well, we we spoke to Mike Rothman and Matt Gerber from Consequence of Sound, who got to go to an early screening of Solo. They gave us a spoiler-free review, and then Matt and I went behind the blast doors to get all the juicy goodies and figure out the the lay of the land for that for that film. In this episode, we're going to be giving you our full core State of the Empire trio of opinions here. But in the prior episode, we also addressed the longstanding rumors of the Obi-Wan Kenobi film, and we're outright able to confirm it based on some leaks that have been circulating. Now, that has been doubly confirmed by TMZ. A, they, they acquired what they said was a production bulletin, which is apparently different from what was acquired by the unnamed leak source, but confirmed leak source from the other thing. Um, it's officially called Obi-Wan, A Star Wars Story, with the working title of Joshua Tree, to conceal it. No, not conceal it anymore. And apparently there was a synopsis, which they have, I guess someone told to them or something, and then TMZ has cheekily adapted. And here's what was written in their article. Obi-Wan is on Tatooine being an elusive hermit and stuff, but secretly watches over an infant Luke Skywalker, whom he delivered to his uncle Owen. Tensions between the local farmers and a tribe of sand people, headed by a ruthless war chief, eventually bring Obi out of hiding and into Jedi kick-ass mode. Stephen Daldry is still being discussed for as the director of that. Interesting thing. It is Obi-Wan a Star Wars story, and now is time for us to, as we actually don't often do, uh, eat our words. We're wrong. Oh yeah, there's 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 reasons that we'll get into behind the blast doors about why I'm walking back from the that they're going to be getting rid of a Star Wars story. Yeah, that I've been it, claiming. For, if this is just your first time tuning yeah. in, we we did recently believe uh, based on the production troubles associated with Rogue One and also Solo and the announcements that were all in regards to various trilogies or ongoing series of films and so on that Disney was done with a la carte films. And they, I mean, they hadn't announced anything. They still haven't yeah, officially done, announced Obi-Wan. Done for now in order to separate themselves from the A Star Wars Story line of films. Right. That it would just be like, well, it was an experiment. We kind of botched it. So let's stick with trilogies. But that actually, I mean, clearly they've just, what they've done is they've taken it behind their blast doors <laughs> and hidden all this stuff away, cleaned up their house because certainly, definitively, by trial and error, something was wrong with the way they were organizing these productions. They were clearly doing something that was not working. So they've, I guess, fixed that as well as they believe they can and are now on the verge of announcing Obi-Wan Kenobi and late-breaking the same, like, in tandem to solo hitting theaters, there is a new Star Wars story in town. This comes direct from Hollywood Reporter. 
Matt, you want to take the floor on this one? Yeah, it's being reported uh, by Hollywood Reporter as an exclusive that they are currently working on a Boba Fett film written and directed by James Mangold. So, you know... As in Logan, 310 to Yuma, yeah. Mangold. And, and it's strange because the Mangold movie is what I think everybody wants from the Obi-Wan film. and But yeah. we, we don't actually want Mangold on it because that would probably be too familiar. But, yeah. But, you know... Boba Fett's probably a good place if you still want that talent, but direct it somewhere else. And of course, this would be a time where we're like, it makes sense that there's a Boba Fett movie and it's total like marketing. It's a dream come true. Everyone always wanted more Boba. Now's the time for Boba Fett and all the respective Boba tea tie-ins at various <laughs> fast food restaurants. And, <laughs> and behind the blast doors, we'll talk about why this now makes more sense. A lot of sense. Um, but... That said, you know, um, we could be like, yeah, but you know, it's going to be stupid. But hey, here's the thing. I, I, I thought Han Solo was going to be stupid. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Han Solo should have been a steaming turd. And against all odds, it is, for my personal spoiler-free review, among the four best Star Wars films ever made. Yeah, I thought it was great. I loved it. I mean, I really, I mean, I, I can, like every Star Wars film, I could, I could sit here and pick some nits and like you know have an right. entire farm of of nits to pick <laughs> but like you're a scruffy nit picker <laughs> but as far as just a a a movie as a whole and you know characters and acting and and having fun and also um learning how these you know characters that we know grow like this is one of the more successful prequels that's ever been made at least for my money like prequels mm. are a hard thing like when you lo- go overall list of like great prequels like there's probably only one great one like godfather part two like right that might be the only is it even one. really a prequel though like only half, half only half yeah. the movie is yeah yeah so you know it's it's not an easy thing to to do well and i have to say they did it really well yeah. they be- nailed it because it wasn't really a prequel it's just as you know what i mean it's is a it- standalone movie that serves to inform other films if you want it to right but i mean this is a film with with a with a wide array of main characters i feel like it's a sci-fi a set in like you know the different funky reaches of space one of the only movies i could compare it to is the fifth element and that's always a good move if you can make that comparison it's probably an okay movie Mm -hmm. it was like a slightly more serious and darker guardians of the galaxy that takes place in fifth element (laughs) yeah which is like that sounds awesome (laughs) (laughs) and it was awesome yeah yeah doug doug you were easily among the harshest critics of all of us who were we all of us were quite harsh in the in the development of this this picture oh yeah when they first announced it was going to be solo i was just like "Ah, all right you know we're doomed yeah we're doomed it's going to be just all this ham-fisted fan service and because it's the one name that everyone knows, or Han Solo. Hand-fisted. Yeah, Han, <laughs> Han. It's Han. Han. Uh, I, I have to say, like, without going into the spoilers, yeah, I was I was really relieved that there wasn't as much, you know, really lame fan service as I was expecting. In fact, I wouldn't even say that any of it was, like, lame. Like, it was just, it was fine. It was good. Yeah. Th- there, was, there was so much, there's, like, 99% of this movie is, like, a great fun time, and that 1% is, like, I could done without that, but it doesn't ruin the movie. This, like, this so is it's fine. an achievement in expanded universe vibes on the screen. There's never been anything like this before. This is so Star Wars. This is a Star Wars novel and or comic it, book committed to live action. It 
every step of the way should not have worked. <laughs> like it's it's kind of it, this is like the perfect. It's like it's almost like this meta commentary on Han Solo the character. You're like this should, no, he's not getting away with this. There's no way this should work. He he's not getting out of this. There's no way he's getting out of this. It's fine. And he fucking pulls it We're off. We're fine. Like yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how. Like and, and I'm sure just like the Empire or Jabba or anyone. How does Han Solo keep getting away with it? <laughs> you know, like there's just there's no explanation. And, and and the weird thing, you know, my my chief concern going into this movie was that it was going to. Uh, misinform the character that we meet in a new hope like it wasn't going to make sense yeah. transitioning. oh uh, yeah of course. he was going to be you know too good or too bad or whatever it was going to be and it wasn't going to make sense when i met him in a new hope yeah and yet somehow they this movie hits on the good side of han and the scoundrel side and like really leaves him in like the right spot for a new hope let's just hope that they don't do what they did with like the star trek reboots where it's like when that first Star Trek reboot ended, it was like, oh, yeah, they're like in the great spot to now they can go on these adventures. And then the second one was just a remake of the first one. And it was just like the same problems are getting over again. So if and when they make another Han Solo one, I just want to see the next step. I don't I don't want a repeat of this one because this right. is great. I like this one. Yep. But it's going to be tricky to see what they what they can pull off. But yeah, as far as the first one goes for establishing like, oh, he's not. I was just so worried they were going to end it with him walking into the bar on Tatooine and being like, who's that old wizard looking guy? Chewie, go check him out. You know, like, are they, but it totally doesn't do that. I, I was so relieved. That's all I can just say without going into more spoilers. Also, mad props to Ron Howard. This is like, it is classic Ron Howard. We we had, you know, we had a Strong quote. Strong Willow vibes. Yes, <laughs> strong. We, we had a quote from him earlier um, in the prior episode talking about how um, doing certain sequences reminded him of all the work he did with Mad Mardigan. Yeah, you can compare a lot of this film's vibe, the success of this film to the, the vi- Corellian like, Hounds. The, the well, yeah, that was, I mean, that was <laughs> I um, know, yeah, yeah, but that's just like serendipity. Yeah, this this film has that same Willow vibe of comedy, action, drama, creative set pieces in terms of like the action and the sequences. It's all there. Mm-hmm. Everything that you love about Willow is also in this movie, probably. Yeah, I could I could see that. I would agree to that. So yeah, I would absolutely agree to that. Unless you were looking for like swords and you know <laughs> There are swords. There are swords. <laughs> there <laughs> are swords. Uh, uh, technically. It's like it's not I mean more like sword and sorcery, you know, more of that of that fantasy, mm. you know. Yeah, we'll leave the sorcery for the uh, mainline Star Wars films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got some dates. Star Wars celebration is coming to Chicago in twenty nineteen, April eleventh through fifteenth. That happens to be Consequence of Sound's home base, so you can bet your asteroids we're going to be there. Then, Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars theme park at Disneyland and Disney World, two separate dates. Disneyland, summer 2019. Disney World, late fall 2019. Mm. The official description of this event, the space, everything about it, well, it sort of solidifies a few things that we've known definitively or have long suspected. Here it is. The first of its kind resort will combine luxury with complete immersion into authentic Star Wars story. Guests' journey through space will start when everyone departs together for a multi-day Star Wars adventure by boarding a starship alive with characters and stories that unfold all around them during a voyage through the galaxy. At the resort, mm. guests immediately become active citizens of the galaxy and can dress up in the proper attire. Every resort window will also have a view into space. 
The opportunity for immersion at this resort will also stand out among all Disney resorts around the globe as it will be seamlessly connected to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disney's Hollywood Studios, allowing guests a total Star Wars experience. I don't know. Yeah, not only am I skeptical, but quite frankly, I'd rather spend my time at the resort. Like that to me, like I feel like (laughs) my immersion will be less broken at the resort. resort, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, how are you gonna get the How are you gonna get the people and the the babies in the strollers wearing Star Wars shit? Well, what I think is gonna happen is it's gonna, it's not gonna be a luxury starship that you're on at the resort. It's gonna be the like <laughs> refugee, yeah, the refugee <laughs> cruiser that like Padme and Anakin were on in yeah. Attack of Clones, and they're just gonna make you wear basic just ponchos and you know very cheap articles of clothing in order to. Have There's the gonna whole... be so many people who don't speak English. Like, no, I want, I want, perfect. I want the Star Wars experience. <laughs> yeah, and perfect, like, great. And, perfect. No, but like, and they're gonna pay money, and they're like, I'm not wearing that. You know, like, there's just. There's too many dicks in this world that would ruin it <laughs> just because they're important. They're more important than you. Oh yeah, I mean, you know? it's it's so. the the same way that it can't be a complete Potter experience at at Wizarding World, but it doesn't claim to be or it strive does, to it, be. It, it doesn't, and they do a great job despite it. But yeah. I can't. I mean, Disney can always, you know, prove me wrong. And oh, I hope they do. I hope they Please do. Please prove me wrong. But mm-hmm. when they tell me that they're going to have, you know, scripted events happen in the parks, yeah, like I don't know about that, like citizens being arrested by stormtroopers and stuff, I just, it's not going to happen. There's no way. It's going to be so crowded. It's going to be. It'll it'll go for like a month, and then they say, "No, we can't do that anymore." Yeah. Yeah. Like, we shall see. Um, if you do want to literally see something <laughs> a digital composite there is a trailer which showcases batu in more glory than the average person on the internet has been able to see outside of having gone to say d23 or one of these disney shareholder events mm-hmm. so we'll link to that trailer on this episode's page so you guys want to go behind the blast doors open the blast doors open the blast doors all right so matt and i knew about darth maul I I I'm, I could tell that you knew something because you're like, oh, there's gonna be a cameo and so, dog dog might you know. How'd you walk feel out. about that? I I um I'm very torn because on one hand it's awesome that that he's in it and that it's like seeing him alive like in a way that's on screen, which is cool, and it's sort of like uh, how do I put it like very vindication you know like uh, like that it was like no it's valid we're gonna make it good and we took we took. In these other mediums, we took Darth Maul and made him cool and interesting, and this validates all of that. Sam um, Witwer? Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, Ray, Ray Park with uh, Sam Witwer voicing. Shit. Yeah, no and shit. so once again, you know, we're we're walking back from what we were saying a couple months ago, which, you know, it's... I'm I'm happy to eat my words here. Oh yeah, this is incredible. You know, I'm I'm not going to complain about this. Yeah. It's like but that that transmedia disrespect that we've been talking about for so long. Right. It may not be true. I mean, it, it stands the reason, you know, that things could go wildly from here with Darth Maul. Yeah. In relation to, like, how he was finished up on Rebels and also where he's portrayed at the end of his uh, Clone Wars arc. Yeah. And then where we see him in Rebels. Like, since we dis- since we were had this Maul thing confirmed for us by my- Mike and Mac, um, Matt and I have been talking about it quite a bit because it's still continuity wise confusing at best but it is a big blank window and if they can make it work more power to them because it just makes it feel yeah well uh just so on the other side of the coin of like of like oh it's so cool to see that it's so cool to have it tied in and to see him there and i don't know like the on the other side it's like i feel like 
this could have been anyone. Like it didn't it, have it to could be have. Maul, and it was like it was just needless. But it didn't. Uh, it's a not, part it's of not, me wonders if it was the executives being like, "Okay, we can't do another movie without a lightsaber in there." <laughs> I know, and it's so it's like the. On one hand, it's completely unnecessary. It doesn't detract from the movie for me, like at all, with the exception of he's there, he's talking. I'm like, oh, this is cool. He stands up, robot legs. Oh, I'm fine with this. This is cool. And then for no reason, he pulls out a lightsaber. I'm like, don't turn on the lightsaber, please. Just, I, think, just, I, think, just, I think he was giving, a, he was being a little threatening to Kira. I, I, I get why. I get why in story he's right, doing that, right. but, but as a filmmaker, it's just like why do we have to see him do this it's like and i know and i and the answer is because well people are going to wonder if it's actually him well, that's because as, as i was walking out of the theater someone said so was that darth maul or was that another Dar- darth maul right and a lot of and people it, are wondering if this place place before phantom menace completely discounting people, the fact that the empire the is everywhere you gotta realize people aren't gonna understand it doesn't I know, matter I know. You, you can't you can never answer enough you can never show enough shit for people to say oh i know what that is now like it'll right. never happen uh, but that all being said, um, it was fun. I really want to know where they're going to take this now, like yeah. with this character, because it's like all they've done is set up more expectations, which are going to come crashing down eventually. No, I, <laughs> I mean, I guess what I love about it is, is the, the, as we were saying, the transmedia respect, like for the first time, like myself as, as a, you know, legends, EU, like books, comics, like obsessed person, I can finally say like, oh, you're interested in that. How did that happen? Like, I thought he died in Phantom Menace. Like, oh, check out this comic and this TV show and then maybe read this book and, you know, that sort of thing. Like, it isn't just like, okay, that reference, I, you know, read this comic. It's now like, if you want the details of plot, you need to go to these books and comics, Mm -hmm. which is cool. But at the same time, what I don't like about it I think is it's the talking point of this movie now amongst fans who have seen right, the movie. Right, right. Like it's... we saw a great movie and the internet from among those that have seen it, everybody's talking about Maul. Yeah. Like I, I'm sorry for bringing it up first and foremost, but it's just, oh, no, I mean, it's it, such, no, it's like, it, it is, it's, it's the thing that you have to, you have to acknowledge it first. Yeah. we got the Sith in the room. <laughs> we yeah. Talk about it. <laughs> Cause it, I mean, cause it's such a, you never would have expected in a million years. If you said like, Hey, so who's going to guest in this movie? I never, Ever no, I had have ever said I that. had ten people I would have guessed would have been the cameo at the end of this movie before you get to Darth Maul. Like I don't think I ever would have guessed Darth Maul because what right does he have to be in a Han Solo movie? Right, you know. So um, and once sure. again, if you want the reason why it makes sense, this comic and this book, <laughs> and you know, like it does make sense. But I'll, I'll take your word on it for that because I'm not. That, that's not the thing that about it that upset me. Is like, well, where does he belong? I, I don't care. It's fine. It's just that it could have been anybody. Like it was just a plug-in. No, I know. It's it's just this movie was so focused on the crime syndicates and especially the Pikes, which were in Clone Wars and was actually part of Darth Maul's like shadow collective, like unified crime syndicate along mm-hmm. with like Mandalorian Death Watch and a couple other like entities. I think the Huts too. So. You know, it didn't necessarily have to go that direction, but that was the world they were playing in. Right. And then brought Darth Maul. But once again, what's confusing right now is as of Son of Dathomir, he's no longer part of that empire. But I guess at some point he gets reinvolved. It's it's weird that you your, your instinct was, oh, this is like 
a positive way to show that they're tying into the you know other media right. you know like whereas i thought the opposite which is like oh they're gonna ignore everything because well, because of the response they're gonna get from this people are gonna get so excited they want to see him in the next movie they go oh shit well in the, according to the timeline we had already established darth maul shouldn't be doing xyz during the second han solo movie he should be doing whatever but they're gonna ignore it because the movies are gonna it's, it's just gonna revert back to what it was before where the movies are main canon on, then you get a tertiary canon and then you get legends and then you get fucking the christmas holiday special on on the last episode behind the blast doors mike and mac they were super excited by the kenobi rumors because like oh we're gonna see kenobi and maul fight in the and, kenobi spin-off and both of us were like we've no we've, we're not <laughs> we've done that like we we've already seen kenobi and maul have their final showdown I know, and and it's beautifully done. And it, yeah, it's great. It fits yeah. the sort. It fits the story. It's a great payoff. Good character moments there. Yeah, but I, I, you know. But once I again, know. if if that's where the movie trajectory is taking us, that like Maul is now this like, he's the weird um during the the lawless period that this movie helps you know set up or inform us that you know the early Empire was like, if Maul is that sort of you know third-party Shizor type bad guy yeah he might just be the connective tissue for all these movies and then eventually yeah we probably will get his demise in an obi-wan movie that supersedes rebels which would be terrible but i don't know I, i'm so torn on that though because like i i don't want it to happen well, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah i don't want it to happen but at the same time it's like i want to see more of him right i don't you know and i and i hate the idea that that they're gonna say do away with a unified canon but i don't know how else you can you can't keep going but you, but th- i think that what we the thing that makes this show different is that we all know there's a possibility of that but we're not going to necessarily i mean we're not committing to that this is not broken continuity yet and we no, it's we, not. we yeah. know that there's all kinds of ways we can be surprised sure and, sure, also, sure. and, and to bring it like the reason why i think cap and i are hopeful that it, it won't break that continuity is because Solo, this movie pays so much respect and deference to, to legends. But will the next reference one? and and like you know like I mean, yeah, but but is dude, all- <laughs> here's the thing. I feel like John Kasdan had a fucking blast in here, and most mm-hmm. of the stuff that we think is coolest about this movie is probably his doing. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's turning into Star Wars mainstay writer. That's I what so. I think. Sure. I, yeah. Cool. I mean, well, I mean, if see, that's the as we were talking about with the Boba Fett film with Mangold. I mean, one he's earned the right, I guess. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but if he wants to tell a story in which you know he wants to put Maul in the Boba Fett film, which he probably will, I'm sure Maul will be the you know the the Shizor of this world, a setting you the know, scum and villainy world before uh, the classic trilogy, right? And you know, so who knows what James Mangold wants to do with Darth Maul? And then when Stephen Daldry comes on board for the Obi Wan film, you know, if they want Maul and Kenobi to meet, because I have a feeling this Maul thing is going to be like a big hit. Like I noticed he wasn't credited as Darth Maul in the credits, just Maul, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think in you know, it's going to be a big hit with the fans and, you know, those that aren't as, you know, tuned into Rebels, you know, they want that Obi-Wan Maul showdown. And, you know, we're probably, unfortunately, going to get That's it. what I'm saying. Like, as long... Because they're stoking the flames for fans to say, I want a showdown, especially with an upcoming Obi-Wan movie. You can't tell them, well, it already happened in a cartoon. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, no, I don't... But I'm not going to watch that. Oh, and, and Darth yeah. Maul was put down like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> very beautifully though yeah yeah though everything the reason why he's there how he got there how he found him is great yeah and and 
now I, I worry that they're going to, because they showed him in live action again. I've that, seen you know, many references or many comparisons to online to people saying Maul showed up like Thanos in the first Avengers film. Mm-hmm. You know, do it myself. And then they waited like, you know, 20 more movies before he did it himself. But, you know. But they've set up a question that's never going to have a payoff unless you go and watch Rebels. Right. And and not everyone's going to go do that. But yeah. you really should, though. Yeah. You should. You should, yeah. But I, I will probably spend the next, you know, three, four years going back and forth on whether or not they're actually going to. Yeah. Um. So I, I do actually do regret jumping right into Maul. No, there's so, it's, mu- there's so it's much to love thing. about I, Solo. I, I'll, t- I, yeah. I'll tell you the same thing. The same thing I told both of you when we were leaving the theater. It's just like. Yeah, mixed feelings about it. I overall, I like Darth Maul, but you know what? I'll accept Darth Maul because you already gave me Teres Kazi. Yes. <laughs> this movie was resplendent with things that just uh, tapped into the bigger world of Star Wars. And is it fan service? Yeah, it's fan service, but it's all done really organically. It's just mm-hmm. like every, like how in the original trilogy, it was so, they would often so casually mention things in the world. And, and th- in this case, some of these things have been prior established and confirm older stories are still true or a certain kind of true. And it's beautiful. It's exciting. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lando casually mentions all three of his Lando Calrissian Adventures novellas and no one stops him to say, oh, what what is that? You know, it, it's a very organic, you know, he's mm-hmm. dropping it because he experienced it and, you know, no one necessarily wants him to recollect it at that moment. You know, it's it's all very organic and informed by the world in which this movie takes place in, which I think is the most important part of getting fan service. And I hate that term because it's true and it's sometimes cringeworthy. Like it's the most important way to get it right is to make sure that's informed by the world that it's. Yeah, this this was less cringeworthy than Rogue One as far as fan service goes. I feel like half the things that like I you know Rogue One, it's like they they shoved in. 3PO and R2 and I was worried they were going to do it in this mm-hmm. one and that one just like ah I like 3PO and R2 but you just put them there and it was on the Pona Baba I was like ah yeah, but, but instead- both those instances in, in Rogue One made me just like it felt dirty afterwards right? yeah nothing even remotely like that in this yeah, film yeah here it was like Tereskazi I flipped my shit you know and um they said, uh, "Beckett, you're 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 Beckett. You killed what's her name? Or a sing? Or a sing? And I was, I was like, like, oh shit! Yeah, holy cow! And it's weird how how I wasn't like, oh, I I clap because I know what it is. It mm-hmm. was more of like, oh shit! They're telling me that this guy killed her. Now I'm scared of this guy. Yeah, like it like, actually was informative. It wasn't just, hey, remember that thing? This guy's like, I mean, we've seen him be a gunslinger, but like, oh man, it's not all show. He's a real threat. Like, yeah. we we know he killed he killed a known character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that." You know, has expanded adventures in the Clone Wars. Yes, so, exactly. Like, you know, we've seen how threatening and imposing she is. And when they, they casually mention, uh, like, they should have hired Bosk for this train job. Right. And, or the Zan sisters. Or the Zan sisters. Yeah. And, and Bosk ha- participated in a train job in Clone Wars. So it wasn't simply like, oh, just drop Bosk's name. It's like, no, drop the name of a guy a who would do that. Yeah. Who has had experience doing something that they're involved in. Like, all these, these types of references are very, like, they're natural because they're. Well in a bigger researched. world, yeah. yes, it's all it's 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 is it is truly connected in a way that's organic and and fulfilling. And yeah, it does hit all the fucking marks for like everything you'd ever want to see in terms of <laughs> it, like Bob Iger being like everything you'd ever want to see for Han Solo. Yeah, it's like, like how he got his blaster, how he got the Falcon, Chewie how pulls he off got some to meet arms. Chewie, yeah. it's like you know. I was worried because it started to fill all those checkboxes yep. 
that I was like, oh, no, oh, no, it's going to end with them going to the cantina and shit. But they didn't. Yep. You know, and I was it's like I, 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 I want to know how much of that was mandated with, you know, the first directors and then how much of that is Ron Howard coming in and saying, no, no, no we get that's what the fans want. Give them that. Like, I don't know. We're never going to know. But like there I'm was interested. there was a fun one that I don't think we've discussed. Have we the hollow chess board? Did right. We, did we discuss this? What about the, it? We did not discuss it. I mean, it's there. So there is a uh, and we'd have to do the research, but there was a, a figure for the Dejaric board that wasn't used in the original New Hope, but it's like kind of part of production diaries. It's like a well-known like, oh, this monster wasn't used. And in this movie, it's on the board when Chewie's playing Beckett. Mm. And when Chewie slams it the board in frustration, it winks out and it's broken. Like it's gone forever. Huh. Chewie broke that. I noticed creature. I noticed that it disappeared, but I didn't and, realize there was significance. And that's wow. that's the you know, the reason why it wasn't in a new hope. <laughs> it's just little things like that. It's I don't know. It's, I mean, that, that's that and that. That's not even like fan service. That's Easter egg material right yeah, there. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We're, we're gushing about, right now we're just gushing about fan service and Easter eggs, but that wasn't even necessarily the best part of the movie. Yeah, the movie works. It's like we're talking about these little tiny things, but overall, the movie, movie fucking it's, works. It's, it's like, a journey. It's an adventure. I never really knew what was going to happen with Han as a character. Yeah. He was he was charming. He was delightful. Alden Ehrenreich knocked it out the park. Yes. He was such a sweet boy Ugh. getting in dirty places. Think of how much better this movie would have been if they just had an impersonator. <laughs> oh, no, they did. And his name is Donald Glover. I'm sorry. But, like, everyone else was pulling their A-game here, and he had some charming moments. But I feel like half the time he was on the screen, he was just doing a bad impression. Really? Yeah. I, I will say, I don't think the impression was bad. My problem was is he kept slipping out of it in some delivery. Some delivery is like, oh, you're just impersonating Billy Dee's voice. And then sometimes it was just, you know. Sometimes it was organic. Sometimes it did feel very real. But then other times I'm like, is this just some weird effication you're putting on? Are you giving me the imp impression that Lando Calrissian is just a weird mask that this guy wears? I mean, kind of, I suppose. But maybe. I don't know. I, 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 did, I didn't catch any of that. I mean, everyone else's performance was so like genuine and real. And with him, like, I, I'm like, are you putting on airs as a character or are you putting on airs as an actor? And I can't I, tell. I would say that is because I think because of the the role and expectations of the role, because Lando is such a... Like even more so than Han just being Harrison Ford, because like you know he burst on the scene with that. Mm -hmm. Lando is just Billy D. Williams in a Colt forty five commercial in space. <laughs> you know, like it's just you know like so. I think he felt more compelled to simply be Billy D. And also, I think a lot of the Lando stuff was part of the, like the Lord and Miller like cut up. You know, whatever they did. You know, I think he had a bigger role, and I think. Mm -hmm the reason why the impression versus him doing his own thing is, is so inconsistent is because it's two the versions between the film. Ron Howard's version and Lord and Miller. That's very possible. And there's, yeah. there's all kinds of things that we've noticed. Matt, you've actually seen the film twice at this point. Mm -hmm. um, you got a chance to see it a little bit earlier than everybody else. And, and there are, there are some unusual things, nothing even remotely as broken as the aspects of rogue one from its fixes. But, right. but there's, you know, there's still some odd stuff like when the Falcons in the impound, that's handled very weirdly. Yeah, it, I think that was there was some sequence where you know the Falcon was in the impound in the Lord and Miller version. It was a lot more convoluted getting there, and then in the Ron Howard, you know, quicker paced version, it's just meet Lando and hire him, 
And then they're like, well, how do we get to those shots and scenes that we already did in the impound? So they did this weird thing where it's like, oh, there's a lot of ships getting boosted off this planet. So I'm hiding it in the impound. See, I, I, I took that to only gotta... mean that he was bullshitting. That like, I took it as bullshit as well. Yeah, that it's just like, yeah, maybe that is, your, that is your ship. But clearly you're stuck on this planet because you either broke the law or you pissed someone off and your ship is now impounded. Or maybe you already lost your ship to someone else and you're stealing it. I mean, that's how I took it. But who knows what uh, they meant I, by maybe. it. Well, and I think that could be the original intention as well, except that I feel like it wasn't lingered on a way that actually sells it. Right. I thought there was going to be, like, like there's going to be an answer later. Like, with, you know, Enfy's, you know, putting the tracker on. I'm like, oh, did they put that there? Did, like, did they chain it down? Like, mm-hmm. I thought they were going to say, but they didn't. And it was fine. I didn't care. Yeah, there's, it, I mean, know. there's some weird, you know, once again, I was talking about, like, I could nitpick logic things But then why lot, wouldn't but... they just put, wait, wait, wait. So we're saying, like, they, they, they Photoshop in Chewy. But they don't Photoshop out the chains. But that's what I mean. Like, you know, it's like. But that's what that's what it, my thing is 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 maybe Chewie wasn't even part of the team at that point. So what what right. the, what the guys are referencing right now is that they're in the earliest solo trailers. There's two shots. One is um, Han and Kira walking across the desert to go see Beckett at this coast, and the other one is Han looking up at the Falcon. And in both those shots in the film and in later trailers, it's Han and Chewie looking up the Falcon and Chewie schlepping behind Han and Kira holding the two cases of coaxium. And so we don't know what's up with that, but we presume that it's due to those scenes being resequenced in terms of where they occur. Right. So. So, uh, I don't know. That's, um... I mean, I think there's there's a lot of that band-aiding, just like yeah. you know, resequencing events, and, and and maybe that can explain the discrepancy that the discrepancies that you feel with Donald Glover's uh, performance. But I always, literally, like in the middle of it when he started to get all emotional about like L three and everything, I thought, oh, the whole part of him being like everything you heard about me is true. Like, yeah, that's cool, and we like that, but maybe that's just all bullshit. Like, maybe it is a front. Like, maybe everything we heard about him is not true. You know, like maybe it is that maybe. it's like could he, be he's he's, he's he's a con man. Yeah, he is. I guess he, it just it didn't sell to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But I no, worked on me. I was on Amelia Clark's case because I've not been a fan of hers so far, and I thought she was great as Kira. I think Kira is very nuanced, and I think it came across very well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and she is like, you know, I've been harsh on Amelia Clark not being capable of that sort of nuance, and I thought she did a great job. In this also, movie. Paul Bettany was fantastic. Oh, and amazing! You, you were also expressing worry about John Favreau. Yeah, and Rio Duran was great, and Val was great. Like this movie, I mean, uh, I mean, did such a great job building up characters that we just met to the point where I wanted to spend so much time with them, and then just got rid of some of them right away. Yeah, like you know, completely like that. You know, I don't want to compare this movie to Last Jedi, but that to me is subversion (laughs) of expectations. Like that's the kind of thing you know where you know do something. Everything that happens in this movie had meaning it all meant something and we felt something right and yeah it's just it's crazy if if anything the the biggest gripe i have about this movie and is also something i absolutely love this movie is relentless in its pacing yeah i mean it is just continuously going and i love that about the movie is that it just never lets up like we don't get a moment to to really breathe too long but at the same time it's what i hate about the movie because i want to spend a lot of time with these characters yeah like I wish that conversation with with you know before the conveyx heist was an hour long. Like I loved all of them chatting together and letting me know what it's like to be a scoundrel in the Star Wars mm-hmm. universe and and uh, and the scene with L three and Kira was wonderful. Yeah. And any time the characters paused to have a moment like that was great. 
which is such, I mean, just speaks to the strengths of everyone who made this film. And we'll probably, much like Rogue One, never get the story of what really did or didn't happen and the, the various ways that the plot twisted and turned. I mean, I'm actually surprised to see how many sources of possible differences in the two versions of the film we really encountered in this cut of it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't expect there would be that many s- seams. I wouldn't expect that. I mean, there's, okay, so something we haven't mentioned is the, the early Corellia sequences are amazing and it seems just very very likely that there was a lot more of it yeah um maybe i'm wrong but but it seems entirely possible that that there was a lot more i I believe i I don't that the the shots of han walking through the streets past the burnt out astromech droid people are using as like a fire bin like Mm -hmm. that's not in the movie right no i didn't say it Hmm. i mean that's just one shot but there's there's Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. They could have filmed like a whole, uh, at least part of an act there and not just like a, an introduction. Well, because we originally told they were going to skip through like three different timelines in, uh, in in Han's life. Here, there's only one jump. It's like he escapes Corley and then it says three years later. And yeah. then the rest of the movie takes place within like the same week, if maybe, or even less. And like the fact, the the same fact three days. that the, there's so much uh, of the scene, the scenes with Paul Bettany are so important yeah. to, to moving things through. I mean... That's what people were. He was not in the original version. That yeah. was not so. Wow. Some people were worried when like Ron Howard came on board. They're like Ron Howard. Well, whatever. I'm like, no. This dude knows how to make a movie. Like this oh. dude knows how to sew it together. You're definitely talking about us on this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, I I agree. Ron has made some fantastic films, but I was like, I don't know. I, I mean, it was it was a weird move. You it's, know, it's the recent track record, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that he got tied into that. You know. Uh, you know the Dan Brown, yeah, the Dan Brown franchise, mm-hmm. and you know, and well, trying to adapt the books to whatever. Whereas if you bring it, you bring Ron Howard in, the movie's like eighty percent complete or ninety percent, depending on whether where you get your numbers. And they say this is broken. How do you fix it? I'm pretty sure Ron Howard's a smart enough guy to know. Oh well, uh, we remove that, remove that, remove that. Well, well then we only have half movie. Well, if we insert Paul Bettany here, then I'm pretty sure we. Well, can you cover know, that. you know what it was. It's the scene from Apollo 13. Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger. Yeah, you got to put the box. You got to put this yeah. into that. Yeah, it's like <laughs> dump everything out on the table, and it's like yeah. this and that, and all we have is this. Yeah, make it work. Yeah, and I <laughs> firmly believe that that's exactly why he was a great choice to do it. And it was, yeah, it was, it was really just so much fun. And there really are a lot of, and I don't want to, like. Star Wars doesn't have to be so joyous, but this movie needed to be. And 
there are moments like the subtle stuff, you know, the first time he, he sees the Falcon go in the hyper, well, the first time he sees the Falcon was great, but then when they go to hyperspace for the first time and that perfect like pan over to him, like the smile creeping and I'm like, the smile is matching for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, it's such good stuff. And I, and I did, did, did I not, I mean, it wouldn't take a genius, but I was like, didn't I call it that when we saw Chewie and, Han as a toy, they're chained together. I'm like, oh, let me guess, they're gonna throw Han in the cell, and you're gonna hear the, very much like yep. Return of the Jedi, and then all of a sudden Chewie comes out, which was I, I, I thought his his reveal being all covered in mud was like really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, their whole fight that was great and um, beautiful uh, scene. Chewie's so well handled throughout yeah. the entire film. Yeah, no, I love him. And um, uh, the thing, in fact, the the moment that I got like the fan chills, uh, where I was like, oh shit, no, this is for real now wasn't the falcon wasn't any of that we were like it was uh on kessel after chewing him like split up and after they'd already come back and like whatever and l like l3's shot and lando's whatever and so han goes after him and then chewie has to make the choice do i go with these wookies or do i stick with han and then even when he made the choice i'm like this is cool but when it had that shot of chewie running to get him i was like oh fuck <laughs> it was like my heart the like, way <laughs> the i didn't think that they could improve on the history that had been provided about Han yeah. and Chewie's relationship. And when, you know, Han saved him from slavers and, and the original expanded universe, which was based on stuff that George said that, you know, there was an Imperial slaver whipping him. And he just like, that's how he got kicked out of the Academy is he ended up like busting Chewie out because, you know, he couldn't stand watching him get tortured, but this means get rid of the life debt. Yeah. You know, just it's two people that like, had you know eventually had a huge amount of respect for each other and what you know they were about you know yeah. on a value level you see why chewie chose to stick with him. yeah and it's such a better thing to like do he had twice. an out. like they absolutely improved it it yeah. was great yeah one thing um that you guys reminded me of is i have most scenes most set pieces in this film i think were really well done the convex film scene cannot be overstated it's one of the best sequences in the film it's it's one of the best sequences in star wars period it's so well handled there's a, there's a lot of great moments like that. The Kessel escape sequence, when it's in like the control room and the droids are walking around, that's great. That was, when, that was fun. When they're running <laughs> through the, 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 all the, the various the corridors and so on, that's great. Yeah. But when they get to the big courtyard and there's a big battle around the Falcon, there's cool shots. Like I mean, like the way L3's uh, death is handled was well done. The, the uh, Lando and Han tossing the guns around, that's great. But the overall set piece is so dull and so boring and such a pickup shot it's like it's just it's just a set that was big we know that that was literally ron howard's first day yeah i know so it's like they were probably already shot half of what they thought they needed and then all right we're taking a break for like a month or two months or however long it's just a shame because it's noticeable right it is the most noticeably plain like safe that was that was the um the tipping point for that passing the baton from these directors to this director yeah like so it was definitely and you know strangely enough you know i'm i'm a fan of the whole you know star wars uses practical sets again and like they're the champion of using practical things but in a weird way this is where that suffers because it felt so small and such a stage and such a like like it like said it's boring well, because there's like, a giant it, it, ship that they're standing well, on. Well, and what was made it extra noticeable is we were just in a sequence that had so many different mm-hmm. facets going on, and then we get to this one thing that's such a soundstage, it may as well be on the set of, like, Hercules, The Legendary it, Journeys. It is the downfall of the practical thing, is that sequence should have been bigger. Like, th- it probably needed, like, 
some expansion. It may have originally been. It may have originally been. It may have been. But I'm just saying, like that's that's where I think the the practicality of it falls apart a little bit. Where it wouldn't have minded some like digital expansion to try to like save that sequence a little bit. But you know, not even save, just develop. I mean, like it's fine. It's good. It's it's totally it's fine. awkward. I felt the first time I saw the movie, I, it felt very awkward, and I was actually. Like one of my goals to see it the second time was to hone in on it to see what was up with it, and I had the same feelings again. Like it, I think, well, I think it gets weird during that sequence and during the convey X robbery. There was a little bit of shaky cam that I was like, "Where's what?" And then, but only in briefest of passing. But mm-hmm. it was it did throw me out for like a second, right? And then be like, "All right, now we're back in." So it was. I don't know how much of that is a direction thing or lack of whatever, but it was. I've, I've never experienced that in a Star Wars movie. So that was strange. Let's but. talk about some stuff that's missing that we know is in the film. So during the Ron Howard filming, that's when we got the word that Tag and Bank were in this movie. They're nowhere to be seen. We we know that they were in Imperial officer uniforms. The only time that really comes into play is in the Coruscant sequences. Go fucking figure. And then also... You mean Corellia? Corellia, that's yeah, okay. what I meant, yes. It's like, what did um, I miss? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Corellia. Um, and then also the Arrestor Cruiser, the uh, the ship with the three, the very awkward looking early Star Destroyer draft. You saw it in the, it was, in the yeah, promo. It was in the movie. It was, yeah, it was. When it's, it's like, join the Empire, save the galaxy. It's, it's, it's in, in the there. propaganda film. Yeah. Mm. The propaganda film that features the Imperial March, yep. which is hilarious. I think yeah. it's it's a, like a riff on the Imperial March, not the Imperial March. Yeah, no, it? it's, it's, a, it's a way more like goofy, sensational. Yeah. It was the, version. what was it? The, the hair, not joy to the empire or whatever the fuck it was the original the march they did for the rejected uh video game right yes um i forget um but yeah there was there was a, a piece of music that we uncovered an uplifting imperial march yeah in a, it, yeah in a, a hmm. in, in an earlier state of the empire we played a track from a star wars game that got canceled due to lucas arts being dissolved right um and they did they did have a really great version a take on the imperial march style that was it was like from the the Imperial March as though from the perspective of the Imperials. Um, so Colin Cantwell said on his Instagram, Colin Cantwell's the, uh, the the legendary Star Wars ship designer who also created the design that would become the Arrestor Cruiser. He said, bad news, everyone. The Arrestor Cruiser uh, scene has been cut from Solo. I wasn't told the reasoning for this decision, but my ship will still be featured in a Solo book to be released soon. I hope they'll include the scene in the director's cut as I was very much looking forward to seeing her fly. I don't believe there's a director's cut. I don't think he knows what he's talking yeah, about. That's a very that's, weird thing for him to say. Interesting that there is a solo book coming out with the Arrestor Cruiser in mm-hmm. it. Um, and if there was a scene with it with more Imperial stuff, then maybe that's where Tag and Bink went to. And interesting that that, was, that would be a scene then that was filmed during the Ron Howard stuff. I suppose it's possible they were on Mimban, maybe? No. No. no it's just... And it's possible that they were some Imperial folks on dryden voss's pleasure barge yeah that'd be a weird place for them matt you had a theory about darth maul and um and how and and dryden voss and how these things might fit together in continuity a little bit that i wanted to circle back to yeah so there's um a very uh obvious set of mandalorian armor in dryden's office Mm -hmm. and it looks red tinted Mm -hmm. like a red hued and uh darth maul's like when he takes over, uh, when he establishes the Shadow Collective and the Mandalorian Death Watch is part of it, they all start to wear red and black armor like Darth Maul's tattoo markings. Hmm. And by the time of Son of Dathomir, 
when the the, um, the comic that was the last thing released under Dark Horse before Marvel acquired the license, but mm-hmm. which was recently reprinted under the Marvel banner in November. Right. He is broken out of, uh, kind of imprisoned by Palpatine. That was the last time we saw him on Clone Wars. And then uh, Death Watch breaks him out and broken out by a series of Mandalorian commandos that are wearing that red and black armor. Dryden Voss might be one of those commandos. Hmm. That might be his Mandalorian armor. What's Dryden's uh, species again? I don't. I don't know if they've identified it yet. I, I'm I, sure it'll be know, in the. So you may have noticed that his his facial wounds like flare up and his, his eyes, eyes go red. Yeah. That could easily be like nerve damage of a kind. Like he could be as human or Mandalorian or whatever as anybody. Too much spice. But that it's that it's like a an affliction that's out that's not a part of his biology. Hmm. Right. Oh, and once or, he would, but wait, but once he died, uh, he like turned real pale and like really like. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that this time around, his yeah. body got real discolored after just a little. Very bit. quickly, yeah. Yeah, that's why I figured he. Uh, to also, me, that was like, oh, he's an alien. In like, the only expanded you know. universe, obviously, Mandalorians were mostly Mandalorian and from Mandalore, but they didn't hesitate to adopt, bring into their tribal culture. You know, people that subscribe. I mean, there could be any number of alien Mandalorians in the mm. old expanded universe. And, you know, I think Mandalore was a very modern planet in Clone Wars. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, immigrants from other planets came to sure. Mandalore and eventually, you know, adopted their culture. So it, it wouldn't surprise me at all to find out that Dryden was one of, uh, I mean, he has a very Mandalorian name. I mean, I know it was mostly for, like, the Voss surname is, you know, used for Quinlan Voss, but, like, that's sort of, like, I don't know. It sounds like it would fit very well. And where's with... Quinlan from? Um, He wasn't uh human either. I think it was Kifar. Well, hmm. the, the Voss that... are also a species in Old Republic. With two S's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, so that's my theory. When we get the Dryden comic, I'm sure we will, Uh, I, I would not be shocked to... If that if that's where they go with it, so a question you asked Matt of um in the prior episode is what is the conflict on Mimbon? What's going on there? Because Mimbon's a very important planet in the expanded universe, obviously. And um, Mike and Mac to- Mac told us, uh, you know, hey, there's not really much there. We don't know. We don't know what's up. We know that it's like there's indigenous peoples and there's the Empire. Specifically, what we have based on some leaked material from us Han Solo's source book is, uh, Mimbon has been embroiled in conflict for decades mostly due to mining operations the native species the membanese oppose off-worlders the empire is there to pacify the planet the mining of mimban is indirectly the result of tarkin's demand for increased military production and so mimban in the old expanded universe um was the home of the the kyber crystal that enhanced force power not like you know the kyber crystals that That came out later that yeah that are part of this current universe so it would not surprise me if specifically they were mining Kyber crystals for early Death Star work. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, there's a weird thing that sort of like looped into this the the Mimban trench warfare thing, which I think speaks to an interesting note about the Imperials and how they operate. Imperial medics employ arms against hostiles. The Empire justifies this through their interpretation of medical oaths which dictate they should only protect their own species. In the case of the Empire, they are nearly entirely human. 
Now, we haven't seen any kind of establishment of the racism of the Empire in the new canon. Like, Thrawn, for example, is not hidden away until the Empire falls. He's just, he is a chiss, and that's fine. So this is a weird little note of that. Yeah, and I I gotta say, I've, I've always, I've never been a fan of that concept. Like, it kind of really came out when the movies were over. Well, because they had to show why the Empire was bad, aside well, from blowing up, you know, a planet. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, but to me... Like, it, fundamentally, why but, are they bad? But to me, it was always, it was a... It it wasn't a, a an actual on-screen race thing that Imperials were mostly humans. It was a production thing. Sure. Because guess what? Let's go back to the throne room scene in A New Hope. It is 100% humans everywhere celebrating the victory at Yavin. Yeah, there's no aliens there. There's yeah. no aliens. Are, is the Rebel Alliance as racist as the Empire? No, it was a production thing. They didn't want. They didn't have time to put alien creatures in the audience. It's just all humans. I never thought the Empire was like a pro-human race thing. It, to me, it's just it's very heavy-handed and feels more Star Trek-ish to me. Like that sort of heavy-handed sci-fi that like humans are just like yeah all the all the alien uh, x-wing pilots died in rogue one <laughs> and they weren't there for <laughs> <Yeah. Rogue. laughs> like i mean could you imagine just like watching if the, the, the special edition another special edition new hope and then middle of it's like red five standing by it's like red do gold leader standing by and then just, <laughs> <laughs> just like some other alien who the fuck is that guy <laughs> i i do have to say though if i could go back and change some things about the special edition it would be make moss Eisley go back to the way it was because you know, it was cool. Now it's awful when they drive in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and do that. I would add like an alien X-wing pilot. Sure. Yeah. Or or a woman X-wing pilot. Oh, that'd be mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> <laughs> or or just pepper some aliens in that that scene in Yavin. You know, like yeah. why not? Um, one last note from what sparse details we have pulled from these leaks from the um, whatever whatever book these are from. Um, coaxium, the hypermatter fuel. Ancient spacefarers discovered coaxium in the organs of the pergil, which are the, the whale creatures we see in rebels that have the hyperspace powers. They um, metabolize gases in space that creates the coaxium and allows them to travel through hyperspace. Which I think is an interesting... It's cool. Glad we got to the bottom of that. Right? <laughs> I mean... It, I remember watching the end of Rebels being like, what the fuck? I'm like, this is how we end it? We don't... We don't all right. <laughs> I was like, I'll just fuck it. I'll go with it. I don't care. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine. So, what do you guys think the next film is? I mean, like, we got well, obviously we got we got Obi Wan, we got Boba Fett. I'm not sure. I mean, I think that we'll have threads that sort of connect these movies to some degree. I feel like Boba Fett's got to be taking place post Jedi because people want him to crawl out of the Sarlacc. I know people want that, but, but what I what I want more than that is same time period as this younger ish Boba Fett tracking down Mace Windu. <laughs> I want him to track down. That is an inquisitor's job, Doug, but they, they, they haven't done it. Boba Fett. I want Boba Fett. No. I, I told you before. I, 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 I know I must've said this on the show at some point. I want to begin with Boba Fett on a job. Okay. Okay. He, he finishes the job. And that's when like whoever his like one assistant is, because he always, you know, you always have to introduce whatever. Cause Django Fett had Zam. So why the fuck not? You know, you have an assistant. He's like, all right, I just turned in this bounty. What's the next on the list? Oh, Bubba, yeah, there's a, f- a file popped up um, that you said if, if if this if this name ever crossed my desk, it'd send it to you immediately. And uh, this name just popped up. It's a Mace Windu is on this planet. He's like, 
say that again. <laughs> just like, and then he's got to go fucking take care of it. And the final showdown is between uh, old Sam Jackson and 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 Bo. No, I'm I'm worried. Like I'm worried that my eyes are gonna roll all the way back no. in the back of my head, and I'm not gonna get them back. All right. Why? I'll I, I'll see that. I'll see that, and I'll raise you. Not the Boba Fett film, mm-hmm. but he's the one who stirs Obi Wan out of it. He's like, he's like, all right, man, we got like, we got to do this one, this one last Jedi thing though. And Mace Windu finally dies in the story of the Obi Wan film. Oh, so like Boba Fett comes in as like the, the like the like the like the no, no fucking Boba Fett, fuck Boba movie. Fett. But like that Mace Windu and Obi Wan Kenobi team up together in the Obi-Wan Kenobi film. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Last yeah, ride. No, sure. Yeah, I would take that as well. Matt's shaking his head. I can't. Like, Mace is dead. As much as I love Mace, Mace he is, is gone. not fucking dead, man. He fell out a window. Everyone fell out of a window in Star Wars. <sighs> Darth Maul got cut in half and he did not die, fool. Yeah. Uh, but we they can't do that more than like two or three times. Mace just got <laughs> flung, man. He's yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, the Darth de- Maul didn't die and Mace Windu was on the Jedi Council, so... The Death yeah, Star is blown up and it's come back twice. <laughs> <laughs> Your argument is invalid. No, like, yeah. I don't know. I, I would say everybody wants Boba Fett to walk out of the Sarlacc. I think the the Boba Fett film, and I am stealing this a little bit from, I think, his story from Tales from Jabba's Palace. I think the Boba Fett film should be Boba struggling while being digested in the Sarlacc over slowly over a thousand years, but him recollecting his like, you know, him growing up between a new hope and, or between the prequels and, you know, maybe just like one particular job. Uh-huh. And then he works up the strength to just like, you know, I don't Does know. Does it start That'd with a record scratch and be like, I bet you're wondering how I got in this mess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, whatever. That's uh, fine. But I think for like another Han Solo movie if they have to shoehorn in Boba Fett I would want them to be like Boba Fett's not antagonistic towards him because he has no reason to be so it's just sort of like oh that that guy he's a, he's a great bounty hunter and they have to like work together to get out of a desperate situation what happens if they do so we'll get an Obi-Wan film we get a a Boba Fett film we'll get a Lando I want a Lando film a Lando film and then they come out with a film about the big time gangster putting together a crew, and when it's they Dexter all get Jester. together, no, it no, I mean it's Jabba clearly. But when Jabba puts together this crew, it's the stars of all of the Star Wars story films. So it's like, like Ocean's it's, it's Lando, Lando, but it's Lando Han, Han, Boba, Boba Fett. Fett, somehow Obi Wan Kenobi, <laughs> and Cassian Andor because he hasn't died yet. That's great our, character. That, that, that's our connection to Rogue One. Mm. Eh. I no. mean, yeah, because we got to have Cassian and Jabba in the same scene. That's Im- mm-hmm. that's important. That is he needs the, to discover the texture. That is the only thing I want. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> in, yeah, I, for the I, rest I, of these movies. Yeah, the only thing I, if you were to ask me, like what, what, like those are all what I think. What I actually would want is I want Boba Fett to kill Mace Windu, or I want Cassian Andor and Jabba somehow together. I don't care like how, but it, just somehow in with uh, Cassian wearing the slave outfit, being chained and smiling, <laughs> like just beaming ear to ear. Um, <laughs> it's like day three hundred of my of my, of my going undercover. <laughs> and that's what they have to send someone to get him out because he's gone too deep. That's like, like, then, you, then you watch Rogue One. He's just like, I've been in this fight since I was twelve <laughs> years old. You don't know the things I've done. I don't know what I want the Boba Fett film to be, other than not made. Um, <laughs> said the same thing about Solo. I said I said the same thing about Solo. The real question is, let's be honest, it's not going to be Tamara Morrison. Like, it's just it's not. 
It's going to be Daniel Logan. It's not going to be Daniel Logan. No, it has to be Daniel Logan. It's absolutely not going to be Daniel Logan. They're not, they're, the real question is, is who is it going to be? I think if if the get Tamara Morrison to do the voice and just have anyone under the fucking helmet, oh, and don't man. take the helmet off. Do pull 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 a dread Carl Urban and dread. Don't take the fucking helmet off. No one want. No one cares. No one wants to see his fucking face. I would accept that. And it's by a, the way, I also wouldn't use Tamara Morrison. I would uh, much rather use Jeremy Bullock. No, I was to say the <laughs> That'd be fucking great. The, but, the voice actor for Rex and the Clones. To mm. me, by now, that is the voice yeah, of. Yeah, no, you're right. Clones. And that's a difficult thing I have, too, is like sometimes, like, even Anakin and Obi Wan don't sound right to me because of Clone Wars. Oh, well, Obi Wan, it's still Ewan, but like when I watch Attack of the Clones Revenge of the Sith, like, first time Hay- when Hayden talks, it, it sounds a little bit off to me because, like, because he's such a weird, you could, you, lispy, <laughs> whiny boy. But yeah, Tamara Morrison did the voiceover for the special editions, right? Like, in, he did. Yeah. So they gotta. And you know what's funny is, um, I a lot of I not special editions. They um for the Blu Ray release, rather. Yes, yeah. And uh, I have to say, I I dreaded that. Not that bad. Recently, though, it it doesn't sound right. Yeah, I mean, there's worse changes. <laughs> let's be honest. But I don't know. Boba Fett is a weird one. Inevitable, as we've mentioned. But I still, I don't know. It's it's gonna be weird. I just. Now timeline becomes the most important thing here. Like, what are they trying to create with this Darth Maul crime syndicate thing? You know, whether whether people are hating on the Last Jedi or defending it or saying the new solo movie is going to suck or saying, "Hey, give it a chance," all these people, you know, what the one thing they say in common that they want to actually see something in the old Republic. They want to see something pre prequels. Everybody's. I mean, granted, I'm you know I can only talk about what I've seen, and I'm just one guy. I've only seen so much, but. Everybody seems to be in agreement of saying. I mean, I mean, in person, online, I, I think everywhere. That, I think that's the Benioff and Weiss series, like think, the the pre prequels. Yeah, yeah, the Game of Thrones guys doing the undetermined amount of movies. It's them yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think they're doing. There was a strong stuff. indication of like knights, yeah. with a K. And I think, uh, I think Ryan Johnson will probably write and direct one movie, and then some sort of like creative bow out. <laughs> you know, like. I'm I'm exhausted of Star Wars. I've done two. I've done two. That's more than I ever thought I would yeah. do. So I'm going to pass the baton to the next filmmaker who really yeah. wants to do it. Mm-hmm. And where and where those takes place, I don't know. Yeah, really hard to say. Really, really hard to say. Uh, the real question is: Are we about to move to two a year? Because I think they're going to save. You know, we we know episode nine is coming in December 2019, and they have not given us definitive announcements on what these movies are in any way. We have Celebration 2019, you know, coming up in Do- 2019. Are they going to start doing things like Marvel does where they have this big, you know, reveal? Here's the new timeline. phase in the timeline. Here's the thing. I was just going to ask. Do they have to connect? I mean, do like where are they building towards? Do they have to build towards anything? They, they don't except that it's Darth Maul, and, because and it says because it says a Star Wars story. It's just it's, it's just a Star Wars story. It's it's, about, not, it's it's about anticipation, and that's the worst part. By the way, we mentioned earlier walking back on the Star Wars story moniker. This movie, unlike Rogue One, actually used it in the t- like movie, in the title as it's, yeah, it's a scrolling a by story. solo Star Wars story, and I was like what they actually use that moniker in the movie mm-hmm. so i think that's like that to me indicates like they are building something 
on this I title. Hope, I hope they're not going to be like, this is phase one, and now they're all going to be the Avengers of Star Wars. I really don't want that. I want, I just want individual stories. I want you to be able to walk up to your bookshelf or your DVD shelf and say, you know what? I'm feeling the mood for this one, and not be like, well, to, we've got to have a marathon. We're going to watch them in order because it all leads up to, to the great b- To conflict. be fair, I feel like the Marvel's done a good job having all their no, movies still stand on their I, own. No, I really I, I couldn't agree more. I just think Marvel's doing one thing. I want Star Wars to do something else. I think Star Wars has the possibility and likelihood of doing the more subtle version of it. Like, because that, because I mean, what do we have in Solo? Just Maul. That's all. Yeah. So we have like a third plot thread that kind of runs throughout all this stuff and, and then it ends up sort of tying things together a little bit more. That's fine. So, so and, and let's, not- let's reset the clock with uh, days that we've had a Star Wars movie without a lightsaber to zero. <laughs> and also. The only reason we're even on this line of questioning that it's not simply Maul's being set up for a solo sequel is because Darth Maul is a force user. We don't think Maul and Han could ever come across each other. Mm-hmm. So we're like, Maul's being saved for someone else. If, for Kenobi. If anything, you know for, what, for a team-up film. For something. You know, I'll, 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 I'll take back a little bit about what I said about having him be like useless. Like it could have been anybody. For, for his appearance of like talking to Kira. When he's just like... Oh, you know who I work for, and yep. it's like all dangerous. I'm like, ah, who the fuck? Whatever. No, I didn't think they were ever gonna answer it. But then in the end, when she's like all nervous and shit, and she's making that phone call, it's like if it was it, it was never gonna be Java because Java's like low level criminal compared to this shit. But like, if it was anyone, right, it would have been like, oh, I'm not that scared. I don't really know who you are or whatever. Or if it was Snoke, you know, heaven forbid, you know. <laughs> but uh, but when it's I, Darth I, Maul, I, I would have walked out. Yeah. <laughs> But if it was Darth Maul, it's like, oh, I actually am kind of scared of that guy because, like, I know what he's capable of. I know he's vicious and he looks scary. So it's like it's enough of it to make me go, oh, yeah, she doesn't want to piss off that guy. Yeah. So I'll give it that. Yeah. No, they they did a great job in setting him up subtly without like if he's if he's just the uh, Blofeld you know, to solo where they never have to necessarily cross paths. But, but eventually Blofeld and him do cross paths. And that's the thing. Well, that's all, you know, whatever, you know, like I said, if it was any anyone else, they're just setting up a sequel for Solo. Mm-hmm. But because it's a Force user, and because we know Han is very ignorant about the Force, and he's very poo poo about doesn't it, doesn't believe in it. Yeah, it's not. He says he says I've never seen anything up. to make me believe in yeah. any all powerful Force. Anywhere. It's not being set up for him. Yeah. And here's the thing, though: Kira's story with Han is not done yet. Yeah, like ultimately, she is the key to getting him to become the person that we met in A New Hope. Yeah. You know, so and she's gonna have to disappoint him. I mean, she she has quite a. Uh, she, she has already, but yeah. he's like, no, I know you, I know yep. you. Oh, she's leaving now, but I know, and it's like she's gonna have to like actually go like bad. Like, well, I she's mean, gonna she's gonna die. I mean, yeah. she'll die for him. Yeah, but but if she dies for him, it'd be like, well, I was right, but yeah. um, now I'm sad. Now yeah. I'm just sad guy with dead girlfriend. <laughs> it's like that's not. Uh, so much. I, We've I seen think it. it'll be more like uh, Casino Royale, but the the bitch is dead. Yeah, if they go that route, yeah. fine, yeah. cool. I, I feel like it's already like it's already there. Like so, this movie did such a great job of establishing Get Han Martin Solo. Campbell to do the next yeah. Solo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, that'd, that'd be, be so be cool. One. I would yeah. lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like all the, all the pieces are there. This movie has no right being as good as it is, but it is fan freaking tastic. I can't wait to see it again. Mm. When next you hear from us, we'll have seen it in 4DX. Will have flown on the Falcon before Galaxy's Edge even drops <laughs> anchor. Um, so I'm I'm super excited for it, um, for everything to come, and for for seeing Solo again because it it's there's just there's so much there. I think that movie this movie is going to keep on giving for years to come. I can't imagine getting tired of it. 
So, Ron, well done. Great you, job. You did it. Like, you fucking did it, man. I'm so thrilled by Solo. I never, ever, 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 ever thought I was going to be. Yeah. Like I said, it's like a meta meta commentary on the character of Solo. Mm-hmm. Just like, mm-hmm. how did you pull that off, you son of a bitch? It's, well, <laughs> it's as, as a lot of people have pointed out, it's uh, Kira's line in the yacht, rough around the edges, but good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we head out... I want to thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, if you like this episode, if you like what we do, please do consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Just a moment of your time can mean the world to us. For example, we got a brand new five-star review by Professor Goof, a.k.a. David, who said, It can take a while to wade through all the Star Wars podcasts out there. If you don't mind an occasional F-bomb, this is, hands down, the best. Often insightful, intelligent, and yes, entertaining, a must for Star Wars nerds, a great place to start for the curious. Keep up the great work. I always look forward to the alert of a new episode. Thanks, David. That is amazing. If you have a review like that, please do post it up. If you just want to leave a rating because it's faster and easier, that's fine. That's totally cool. Please do. And if you'd like to rate and review specific episodes, then sure, uh, you could rate the series on iTunes. That's extra helpful, but maybe also try pod chaser which is a great platform for podcast discovery um you can rate and review specific episodes there and also itunes is actually country specific so if you're rating us outside the united states i could dial in i could key in a specific country and then look us up and see if anyone's posted anything there but that i wouldn't know to look for it i would have no idea so if you have posted a review in another country let us know we'll track it down or you can send it to us, whatever, on iTunes. But we'd love to read it. And and thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> but Podchaser is the optimal user experience. It is, an, it is an international marketplace for podcast rating interviews. It's for everybody. So maybe consider that as well. And you can read individual episodes. Right, right. Um, you should definitely check out our Willow Watch specials if you haven't yet. We've done a re-release of our interview with Bob Dolman, the screenwriter for Willow. It is super insightful. He tells all kinds of amazing stories of working with Ron Howard and George Lucas and Joseph Campbell. And and no bullshit, I'm going to go back and re-listen to it, having just seen Solo and seen like even more how much does it compare. Because I'm sure there's going to be something mm. in there. There's going to be a nugget in there, I'm sure of it. We also, celebrating Willow's 30th anniversary, are putting out a ton of new Willow Watch episodes all year long, and we have a brand new episode, which is we have chronicled the journey to Willow 2, since Ron just said there are actual talks happening of some degree right now, and there's been all kinds of weird rumors about Willow 2 over the years, as well as our own rampant humorous and sometimes very serious speculation about that. So we've been doing Willow Watch segments for the past six years here on State of the Empire. They're all locked away in various episodes. It's been a journey for us, and now we're compiling that journey into bite-sized episodes, which will eventually culminate in brand new Willow Watch experiences and interviews and so on. The sky's the limit, so get excited. Um, And if you would like to give us a financial contribution, well, we are still produced by the nerdy show podcast network that's the studio we're recording in right now if you want to help us you know maintain our facilities and pay the rent here that allows us to do this recording and in fact a lot of the in-house recording for the consequence podcast network then please do consider 
donating even a dollar to nerdyshow.com slash support. You can go on there. There's our Patreon link, patreon.com slash nerdyshow. You can give a one-time donation. It helps a lot. And if you do donate via Patreon, we have a ton of State of the Empire outtakes and bonus perks. And we're in the middle of compiling some other stuff. I don't know. We have to we have to generate stuff that we discard, but um, but we're sort of we're, we'll we'll have material for a new outtake collection soon, probably. So uh, that's that's it. We'll see you in uh, in two weeks' time. And uh, I don't know what the hell we're gonna talk about. <laughs> There's <laughs> no be, Star Wars be... movies until 2019. That's why we got to start mm-hmm. going to the Lucasfilm backlog, oh, doing Tucker, Radio Land Murders, uh-huh. Howard the Duck, yeah, Red Tails, mm-hmm. Strange Magic. Oh yeah, and uh, a little movie that we didn't know existed, an animated feature from the early 80s called Twice Upon a Time. Yeah, a Lucasfilm project. Mm-hmm. Um, also put out by the Lad Company, who the only other thing I know who they've done is is Blade Runner. Right. Um, so I recently acquired a copy of that. So yes, this State of the Empire is a Lucasfilm podcast. We gotta cover and it. And there's gonna be plenty of Star Wars news in the interim, I'm sure. But yeah, we're gonna be spending some time with some other Lucasfilm properties. So hopefully you'll join us for for this journey that we've even diehard fans have never been on in some cases. Let us know what you think of Solo. Don't forget, use the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group to safely have your discussions about this film, which maybe everyone you know has not seen yet. That's exactly what that place was made for. Yeah, when you want to go on your main Facebook feed and post, oh my God, Darth Maul, and you can't do it in public, go You know where to go. (laughs) Star Wars Spoilers on Facebook. See you next time. State of the Empire is a production of the Consequence Podcast Network. Check out our expanding roster of music, film, and television podcast programming at consequencesound.net. This show is recorded and produced in Orlando, Florida at Nerdy Show Studios, home of the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. Discover more at nerdyshow.com. Our theme song, Maximum Rebo, was written and performed by Zantilla. Find more awesome tracks at zantilla.bandcamp.com. Special thanks to our Bothan pals in the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group, the Nerdy Show Network Patreon backers, and Boofy Ra, Lando's original droid co-pilot. I heard Lando say L3 and he met the Sheru. But I still remember that you were along for that mission, Boofy. And I'm not forgetting anytime soon. Consequence Podcast Network.